All right, let's let's get started. All right, here we go. Let's pray. God, we're just grateful to be here tonight. And just to get into your words, we, we end our series on uh, sifting uh, the things we hear and see in our world and culture through your word. And see what is truth and what we can take from, from this world that, that, that's taught to us that is truth and what is not. And that we can see these things and be able to teach ourselves how to sift um, through your word. God, just to teach us tonight, show us uh, some more about your word. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. Um, my, my wife was supposed to give me a prop, but she forgot it, so I'm totally throwing her under the bus. And this is later, she left. Um, so that's why I'm saying it. That's why if she was here, I wouldn't have said anything. Um, I was doing some research for this, uh, this lesson tonight, and I came across this new this cult that I wanted to jo- want to join. I kind of want you guys to see this promo video. So, Brandon, if you would play that video for me. That is weird. So this is... All right, hey. Back up here, guys. So this, this is a real video. This is a real lady. Um, I'm not trying to make fun of this, this girl who started this cult. I mean, she on her website. It lived, I mean, it says this is a cult. She's At least she's being forthright with it. But, but this, this lady is made in the image of God, and God dearly loves this woman. But she's been deceived into believing some very untrue... And unfulfilling things about life and God. This lady needs Jesus. And we need to sincerely pray for her and for people like this, right? The reason I kind of want to start, start my message this way is over the last six weeks, we've been exploring how to sift the media and news and words and beliefs and actions from all around us through the, the sifter that is Scripture so that we can know the actual truth about reality. So when we, when we sift in this way, we learn who God is and who, who we are and what the purpose of life is and what happens when we die and how we can know who and what to trust in life. Uh, in John eight thirty two, Jesus said this, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We don't want to be deceived by a unicorn princess named Unicorn, of course, or Mormons knocking on our door or the news or what our friends post on Instagram or what our favorite 
TikTok or YouTube influencers say. We don't want to be tossed like waves in every wind of teaching like Ephesians 4 tells us. And so this is where I want to jump back into the book of 2 Peter. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 1. We've been there the entire time we've been in this series. So 2 Peter chapter 1. Today we're going to learn how to identify a false teaching or a counterfeit truth in a super practical way. Because you're going to come across things in your life as you go about your daily life, as you see things, as you're, especially as you move off to college, you're going to come across things that people are trying to say is true, but it's not. And so this lesson time is going to give you some super practical ways to know what is truth and what is not, and how to use the Bible to help you decide. Does that make sense? That's what this, this lesson is. That's super important. I want, I want to make sure you guys get this and understand this. This is an incredibly big deal for teenage believers to, to understand how to find out who, Find truth and find out who is and who is not a, a false teacher. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. So therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think you're right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. Now I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born in him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what, what is Peter desperately warning the early church about? Essentially, what he's saying is that anybody who comes along and makes a new claim with their own special authority about the new undiscovered truth of who God is or who we are or our purpose, be skeptical. Test it with the Bible because the truths of the Bible are not going to change until the day dawns. That's what it says there. That basically means when Jesus returns. Truth, capital T, truth, Jesus does not change. So watch out for people who are trying to say that truth changes. However, I do want to be super clear. I, I am, I, listen, look at me. I need everybody to look at me. I am not your sifter. You don't determine truth through me. You got it? How do you determine truth? The Bible. the Bible. I want you to check everything that I say with the Bible. I want you to ask questions. I want you to wrestle, um, to wrestle with your doubts and what you believe and why you believe these things. I want you guys to be truth seekers who use your rational brains that God has given you to find actual answers to life's biggest questions. There are many philosophical and scientific and rational and faith-informed reasons why I believe what I do and why I do as a Christian. But that took time and effort on my part to get to this place. And I'm asking you to do the exact same thing. You need to do the hard work on your own in order to own your own faith. Be a critical thinker. Don't come to conclusions based on what culture tells you or your feelings tell you. Make your decision based on what is true. 
I think 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says we need to take every thought captive. That's 2 Corinthians 10.5. That's what we need to do. When deep thoughts come into our minds, we simply need to take just a second to just examine them and take those thoughts captive. And so today, we're going to think about how to identify if, if a preacher or a church or a group, whatever it may be, is speaking the truth from the Bible or if they're giving a heretical or false teaching. The first thing we need to do if we're going to stay gospel-centered and not drift into fundamentalism or legalism or, or on the other side, we let go of our biblical convictions and become lukewarm. The first thing we need to do is just to know theology. The unicult is obviously not an accurate way to interpret life. It's so weird. And it's easy to see through its philosophical shortcomings. I spent a good amount of time on her website reading the different things that she believes and why they do. And it's not hard to pick apart what she's teaching, which makes sense because it's a unicult. But there are many churches and preachers and groups, however, that are legitimate cults. And there are different religions, too, that seem legit and they're hyper-convinced that they represent truth. They are believable, but they're not what we would call orthodox or right-believing Christians. They take some essentials of the Christian faith and they twist them just enough and it makes it not good news at all. But it sounds almost like it's truth. So the first way we can identify if a belief system is legitimately Christian is by knowing theology. Theology is just a big word that means the study of God. It's knowing big truths of our faith. And, and, and here's a sucker punch. Where to back them up in the Bible? I mean, you can, you can say, oh, I believe in this, or I can believe this about God. But where in the Bible does that back up what you believe? I mean, yes, it's good that you should have these, these, you know, these things of, hey, I believe this or I believe that. But it's so much better to know why you believe what you believe. Right? That makes sense? So, for example, Christians believe that Jesus was both fully God and fully man, right? This is why this is what's happening with Christmas. John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? And so, he's fully God, fully man. There are so many cults and religions that believe Jesus was, was just a man. He was, just, he was God's son, but not equal to God. Or that he, he is God, but he was not fully man when he died on the cross. You guys have any verses memorized... That may help you if you're asked about this. Does anybody have anything? It is finished? Okay. Okay. What else about Jesus being God? Y'all have any verses about Jesus being God? Huh? John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's what it says in verse 2. This is Jesus. John 10, verse 30. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. That's kind of a big statement. You don't say that if you're just talking. That's crazy. That's crazy man talk right there, saying I and the Father are one, unless there's some truth behind it. Another big one. Many churches fall off from from rightly interpreted scripture when they subtly or sublimely claim that our salvation is through participating in certain rituals or by doing good works. Again, they twist certain scriptures just enough and they miss the good news, the main point of our faith, which is that it is by grace that you and I have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, not through works. You guys know many verses that back this up. 
Yes, that would be Ephesians chapter 2. You know, like verses 1 through 9 would be a good place for that. These are just, of course, some brief examples of why we need to know theology. You know what's a good way of learning these things? Maybe your Bible. What did you say, Bible group? Bible group's a good thing, yeah, for sure. I forgot all. Yeah. What? But I mean, that's the thing. With Bible drill, I think sometimes we do it to have word problems, where I mean that, like, we put all the information just to get it out quickly, and then we don't retain anything. Well, that's what I do. When I was, I mean, I did Bible drill. I don't remember, but like two, two things I, I did in Bible drill. You know, that's what we do for tests in school, right? We have we just cram everything in just to get the word vomit out onto the page, and then we're done with it. This is truth. This is God's living and active word to you. And this is, I'm saying this to me as well. Okay, so I'm saying this is not just coming to you guys. This is also coming to me. We need to devote more time to the study and memorization of God's word. Like I said, this is, I'm looking at me. This is me too. Okay, this is not, this is, this is what I need to do. Start by reading God's Word. Like I told you guys at youth camp, if you would like to read the Bible and, and do a Bible play with you, if you like a Bible app, I would love to hop on and do a Bible reading with you. Jackson and I, we're, we're in the book of Job. We started in Genesis, we're now in Job in youth camp. We finished the book of, the three of us finished the book of Esther yesterday, we're starting the book of John today. I would love to do this with you guys. I will read 15 different Bible plans, and that's what it takes to get you guys to read God's Word. So, like I said, if you're interested, shoot me a text later and say, hey, I want to read the Bible with you, or I want to read this book, whatever. And I would, I would love just to walk with you through that and just encourage you guys. I get online, I, just not, you know, I, have, I can see my feed of my friends. I have several of you guys as friends on my, <clears throat> on my Bible app. I saw Hayden. Hayden's reading um, the book of Exodus, right? Yes. Hayden's the book of Exodus. Um, Gavin, he's I forgot what he's reading. I saw something in reading. I know he finished the book of Job not long ago. Some of you guys are doing it. It's fantastic. I love it. And so it's cool to see you guys digging into God's Word. And that's what you need to continue that and continue to, to study and to memorize His Word. <clears throat> Next, second thing is to recognize false teaching. We cannot learn to identify a heresy, which is a wrong thing. That's what wrong teaching is, heresy. Um, or a cult or false teacher without knowing the truth. Right? We can't say something is false without knowing what, what is true. If we know the gospel and we know the Bible, we will recognize when someone uses a different source. Right? The leader may offer a different source for where they have found the truth. This could be another sacred text, uh, another angel, or another prophet. If we know the gospel and the Bible, we will recognize when someone also uses a different message. The leader may distort Christian teachings. You know, for example, saying God is on the Trinity, meaning that God is not... Three and one, meaning they think God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are multiple gods and not one. Or that they're not equal, um, it's a different message. They may also bring a different message for salvation, like Jesus plus blank equals salvation. Like Jesus plus works, Jesus plus good rituals, Jesus plus following the rules perfectly, whatever. That's that's different message. False teaching also lends to elevate secondary teachings and sometimes make them more important than their primary teachings and possibly to make up even new teachings after that. And some examples of this would be the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, or the Mormons. Joseph Smith was their leader who, not until the 1800s, almost 2,000 years after Jesus lived, elevated 1 Corinthians 6.19 that says, Our bodies are a temple. Mean that all Christians should not drink coffee or tea or alcohol. 
Took it a little, a little far. He then made a health code that Mormons consider scripture called the Word of Wisdom and the Doctrines and Covenants. It created, created many new teachings that are also not in the Bible and made them scriptures. For example, they believe all people were spirit children being born before being born on earth. That's just simply, just simply is not in the Bible, nor has the Bible been changed to add any new revelation like the Mormon scriptures that they have. Yet they market themselves as another Christian denomination, but they're not. The Seventh-day Adventists claim that Jesus' human nature was affected by sin, and that he was like Adam after the fall, but just was able to keep himself from sinning. No. Some other different messages claim that people today can have apostolic or prophetic authority, meaning people need to follow the teachings of a particular person rather than following Jesus. I have a friend that started going to a church here recently, and uh, the pastor makes everybody call him prophet. It's weird. They even have like his wife, when she dresses him on social media, calls him prophet, whatever. I told my wife, you're not submitting to me, you need to call me prophet more. That's, that's crazy. <clears throat> and also, if, if a Christian church or group or leader says they are the only true church <clears throat> and people in all other churches are lost, you might need to get out. Or if they say that the King James is good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, maybe you should get out as well. And the last way to recognize that someone is drifting from the gospel in the Bible is if they have a different position. And I don't mean they have different political opinions or um, that you, unless, unless they're elevating those above Jesus. I mean, if they read the Bible in a way that is based on the culture, their desires, and reject hundreds of years of rigorous academic interpretation. Just a quick side note. It's something you and I do anyways. Like, you and I do this kind of thing. We read the Bible through our Western mind, our Western lens, our Western culture, because that's what we are, right? We're Western people. And so we, we don't understand and, un, and fully engage the Word of God like it was meant to be. And so we kind of read our culture, read our own interpretations into it, which is not always great. And so we need to, to learn the culture, learn the context, just to help heighten what it means to us. They have a different position. You know, one example of this is the prosperity gospel, which is a, go a common belief system that masquerades as Christianity today. The prosperity gospel puts an emphasis on the pursuit of health and wealth. And it says that God wants to make you rich, promises you no pain. And if, you, if only you offer enough positive thinking and, and say enough positive affirmations out loud and believe it enough, whatever you want will happen. That sounds pretty great, right? Guys, the American dream is not the gospel. This has New Age influences. Where the prosperity gospel says, live your best life now, Joel Osteen, Jesus said in Mark 10, 17-23, to sell everything to get the hidden treasure. God. Then there are the Freemasons in the Church of Christian Science. Both are not compatible with Christianity. The Freemasons promote universalism. Uh, they don't use Jesus' name when they read biblical texts. They promote secrecy, like universalism. That means, that's what Oprah believes, that all religions, all paths lead to the same God. There's no way that can be true. The Church of Christian Science takes a position that instead of seeking medical care when ill, they should be, they just solely pray for the person. That's great, but sometimes you need that medical intervention. Like, if my leg got cut off, I probably wouldn't want to go to the hospital. They also believe that heaven and hell are not places but states of being that we make for ourselves. 
I also want to touch on progressive Christianity just for a moment. There's also a different religion because it does not hold a high view of Scripture. This is becoming more common and more prevalent in, in your culture and your world today. Progressive Christians do not hold or think that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. They take bits and pieces that they like. For example, Jesus loves us. Who does not like that? Who, who's going to say, Jesus loves us? I hate that. That's a stupid phrase. No. People love it. People love the fact that Jesus loves us. So they grab that part out of the Bible. And then they change anything that doesn't feel culturally relevant to them. As in rejecting God's design for sexuality as found in the scriptures. Has anybody ever see, has seen, I don't know if you guys even see commercials anymore or ads, the He Gets Us campaign? Has anybody seen an ad for the He Gets Us campaign? Just me? Okay, that's good. Um, it's a campaign that a lot of people are putting a lot of money forward, and it says He Gets Us, and it talks about, it's about Jesus. But the views that He Gets Us campaign skew more towards progressive Christianity, and they don't really address sin, and it's, it's not truth. And finally, another way Christianity is easily distorted is by placing a focus on self-improvement. This type of thinking can go like this. You know, I need to be better. I need to try harder. I need to adhere more strictly to my beliefs. And, and that is what the Bible is really talking about. And that's how I'm going to be a good Christian. This is not the good news of Jesus. Romans 3.10 says, None is righteous. No, not one. That, that verse makes everybody want to just smile, right? Nobody's righteous. Yay! Right? We don't get excited for that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say our goal should be a good person or that being one gets us brownie points in God's eyes. You know, I've been in ministry long enough. I've heard plenty of parents talk about their children and say, oh, but they're a good person. No, a good person is not what's going to get you into heaven. That's, they're not a good person. I'm sorry. You're not. The exact opposite is true. Jesus' very reason to come to earth was to die in the place of sinners because we could not live up to his law. I love this analogy from Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. This is what it says. When my two-year-old son Benjamin begins to wade into the gentle slope of the zero-entry swimming pool near our home. You know what zero-entry swimming pool is? It's just like you walk in and it slowly starts to get a little bit deeper, just like a, like a ramp. Got it? Okay, that's what it is. Picture this. So a two-year-old begins to wade into this, this swimming pool. He instinctively grabs hold of my hand. He holds on tight as the water gradually gets deeper. But a two-year-old's grip is not very strong. Before long, it is not him holding on to me, but me holding on to him. Left to his own strength, he will certainly slip out of my hand. But if I have determined that he will not fall out of my grasp, he is secure. He can't get away from me if he try. So with Christ, we cling to him, we, to be sure. But our grip is that of a two-year-old amid the stormy waves of life. His sure grasp never falters. I love that. That's cool. We don't need to hold on to God by doing all the good things and by not doing all the bad things because he is holding us. And this is the good news. It's important to, to, to note that not every disagreement in church is heresy. Bless you. We read in the Bible that the apostles even disagreed with each other at times. You read the book of Acts and you see where Peter and Paul, they butted heads a lot, which is actually 
if you know much about the Jewish culture at the time, especially Pharisees, like what they would do from an early age after the kids, the, the, the smart kids, when every kid went to go to school at five to learn the Torah, the first five books, a lot of kids had that whole thing memorized. Crazy. The smarter ones would go on and keep going and getting smarter. And there was even some after that who go on to be like trained. And then even those top level people go and be find a rabbi. Anyways, and so they would they would follow in this, this Bible study thing. And they would they were taught from an early age to ask questions and to engage and to like argue back and forth. And so whenever you see Jesus with the Pharisees, while he disagrees with them, he's not like hating the Pharisees, like kind of like we, we think of he is, because that's just the way they interact, they, they, they communicate, they disagree, and they weren't just always so hateful and spiteful. This is what Peter and Paul did. They, they disagreed, but they could still be close to each other. And so, but there's clear biblical teaching that we would call essentials. And then there are things called non-essentials. And so there are three categories for Christian doctrines. Here we go. The first one is essentials. These are the basic beliefs that if we don't believe them, it's not a Christian church. We've already mentioned things like the Trinity, or Jesus' divinity and humanity, his bodily resurrection, his virgin birth and salvation through grace and our works. Those are essentials. When you graduate high school, when you go off to college or whatever you're doing, I pray you find a church to get involved in. And I pray that the church believes all those things we just said, that you know these things of what needs to be true, of what is true, what needs to be in the church, and that you find that wherever you may go. Then there are doctors that you may disagree with about with other believers. Um, and maybe you need to go to the church because it would affect the way you minister, but they're, not, they're, they're non-essential. For example, baptizing infants or adults, gender roles in the church, interpretation by spiritual gifts, those things you might disagree with somebody, but it's not going to hinder your salvation, so maybe you find a different church. Like, if, you know, if you don't believe in speaking in tongues, maybe you don't go to church that speaks in tongues, right? That kind of thing. It makes sense. Then there are things called non-essential that you shouldn't change churches over. You should just agree to disagree. Like how the end times will happen. Pre-millennial, amillennial, post-millennial. It's all stupid. Or um, the age of the earth. Whatever. The appropriate style of music and worship and other things related to personal preference. Those things you shouldn't change churches for. Those kinds of non-essentials. They're not that big a deal. But to be honest, a lot of people treat the church like a buffet. Who likes buffets? Anybody like buffets? I love like eat buffets. That's what Thanksgiving was last week. I ate way too much, and it was the best. I wore stretchy pants on purpose. It's fantastic. But many people, they go through the line, they go through Scripture, they take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a bit of this, they pick it up, they look at it, oh, I don't like that, it's got some green bean casserole, that stuff's disgusting. And they and a bit to make up their own worldview. They pick and choose what they want from Scripture. If someone adopts some other religions, this is called syncretism. Another big word for you guys. This entire series has sought to show you that you should investigate what is true and not just accept whatever you hear or what is popular. Wrestle with the whys. Why do you believe these things? Think for yourself. Take steps to know why you believe what you do and start owning your faith. But please seek out the truth about who Jesus claimed to be and who he is. Sift these things through the word of God. Recognize that every ounce of information you consume daily needs to be examined. 
You know, I have incredible resources that can help you with the Christianity side of, of rational and faith-driven belief if you guys are interested in, in just growing. Yeah, please talk to me. But remember what Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him it is Lord both now and the day of eternity. Amen. Alright, so we're like really late, so we're not going to do music tonight. Um, we'll do it. I know, I'm sorry. We'll do those two songs next week. I know, I'm sorry. You did great, Gavin. Didn't because you skipped church tonight. Um, so that's what you do. Text me on the, the text here. And everybody told Gavin because he wasn't here, we're not doing worship. Making sure really bad. Um, but I, said, I, I, I think it's important that we get into um, it's a small group, so just dig a little bit deeper because we have 13 minutes left. Um, if we sing songs, we're going to have like four minutes. And I think this needs a little bit deeper time than four minutes. Um, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to split up in the, the small group. So we're going to come back in here. I have, have some news to share with you guys. No, I'm not leaving. Don't worry. Um, just some things about some things that are happening in the ministry. And um, so, yeah. So we pray and we'll put. God, I just thank you for your word. That we have it as truth, and we know that we can uh, search your word and know what is truth. Sift out things that are not from you. To sift out false teachings, to sift out false teachers. God, may these students grow in their knowledge and the depth of you. And they grow in, in theology. God, and in their faith. And it's not just things they're learning in their head, God, but it, 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 and the transformation in their heart. Pray for this next little bit of time in their slumbers that they just keep to wrestle with this. Talk about the importance of knowing what is true and being able to sift. The things that we see in this world through your world. Amen, my friend. Amen. All right, so we'll do two groups tonight.